0: What's up, people? Another episode of Justice 4. Jamoke Davis here with you. I know I've been taking a little bit of a summer vacation. Haven't been regular with the pods, as I feel like every time I do another one, I'm just like, man, I'm just all over the place. I am all over the place. I actually just got back from doing... You know when you talk about bucket lists, and I'll get into it more, but I did something on my bucket list that I'm very happy about? Um... It's time for the ACC to become the PCC as they split up into two divisions, which I will share with you as well, in case you don't know what I was talking about. Lionel Messi is making a joke of MLS. It might have been the worst signing ever for Major League Soccer. I will get into that as well. The National Football League and training camp is getting started here, which I am uh, excited by, but in some ways, tempered, tempered excitement, excitement, and NBA. What's happening with the 76ers and James Harden? It's not good, but first I'm going to start with this weekend. And what I did that was really something that was on my list of things to do. And I, you know what? In sports, there are a lot of things. Uh, entertainment, movies. There's some movie premieres that are like, man, that'd be neat if I could go to a movie premiere. But one of the things that I said I wanted to go to but never knew when I would go to and if I even really could was uh, a NASCAR race, and an Indy race, and a Formula One race. And obviously, I was never really going to be able to do all of them at once. It was going to be something where maybe I'll go to one, maybe I'll go to the other, then go to the other. Well, no. This time, I got a chance to go to two of the three in the same weekend. I got to go to the Gallagher 200, which was an Indy race. And the Verizon 200, a NASCAR race. They were back-to-back Saturday, Sunday. And it was one of the more exciting events. And look, I was working, yes, following a female engineer in a male-dominated field and two college athletes that, once their college career was over, They didn't know what they were really going to do, and NASCAR came calling, and now they are working on the pit crew, and I will share more on that story when it comes out. They all are associated with the University of Pittsburgh, my alma mater, and I love to do stories about them. Matt Wilps and Donnie Tasser were the wrestlers that are now on the pit crew, and then uh, Kate Gunlock was an engineer. That's right, an engineer. At the University of Pittsburgh Swanson School of Engineering. And now she is a performance engineer for McLaren. And Pato Award, Pato O'Ward. Who took third place this weekend. So I felt like we were a little bit of good luck. Kate even said once. We have to finish third or better. I will not be happy with our performance. And they got third place. So Pato Award was on the podium. And that was really exciting. That was really exciting. The thing that was the most surprising to me is how loud the races are. I knew I was going to have to have some earplugs because you see everybody wearing them. But the sound generated when those cars go by, it was so loud and cool at the same time. It is fast. They are going 170 miles an hour on a straightaway, and you can feel it. Your body vibrates. It is so loud, even through the earplugs. It, it, it does something, but you're still kind of like, oh, my gosh, it is so loud. But it was cool to see the environment, to see the fans, um, the racers that were with the two pit wrestlers, Alex Bowman and Todd Gilliland. They were really uh, gracious. It was great to talk to them. Um, I got to meet and interview Dale Earnhardt Jr. Uh, We got an interview with Bubba Wallace. It was pretty cool. In that atmosphere, you know, I'm used to an arena. Basketball mostly. But I've done some hockey. I covered some NFL But nothing beats a track. It was just the most walking I have ever done ever in like a hundred degree heat. I was just standing out on the track getting B-roll of the pit crew. And in one minute, I'm doing an interview. And next minute, we're getting B-roll of the car. Whatever the case may be, in the first five minutes, you were drenched. I was just drenched. I was like, I'm just going to be stinky. Everyone was stinky. But everyone loved it. The media, the public relations for Indy and NASCAR treated us so well. Good food, air-conditioned media area. So at least we could escape for a little bit. But i probably say realistically, if I had to split up the 60, let's say I was just there for 60 minutes. I'd say 40 minutes I was outside, 20 minutes I was inside. So I didn't really get to enjoy it till it was time to eat or get something to drink. But the passion for the racers, the passion for the event, the skill that was required of these racers was just... It was magnificent. And I'm glad I got to check it off of my bucket list. Thanks to uh, Toyota, Chevy, McLaren. Um, it was it was a lot of fun. It was, it was more than I thought it would be. And I'm happy that now I get to check it off of my bucket list. My grandmother, or more my dad, grew up maybe six blocks from Richmond Motor Speedway. I never went. Never even knew that it was really a track until probably I was in my teens. And even then, it was just like, okay. And I never even got that close to it until I was working on Homeland, on Showtime, when they were filming in Richmond. That was the closest I had ever been to Richmond Motor Speedway. Because they were using a warehouse not far from it. And it's basically almost on the track to tape some of the scenes. So it was wild. Um, To be on that track was really hot. You know, to be right near the cars, to touch the brick walk. That's right. That's where they drink milk when they win and they kiss the bricks. Uh, Ty Gibbs... Shout out to Joe Gibbs Racing. Ty Gibbs won the, it wasn't the Verizon 150, NASCAR 150, whatever event, he won an event on Saturday. And that was cool to see as well. Obviously, Joe Gibbs and a connection to the Washington football team. Of course, it wasn't called that when he was a coach, but that's my team. So, Joe Gibbs Racing, when he left to go to NASCAR, I was like, I'm a root for Joe Gibbs Racing. Now, a root for 2311. As Michael Jordan and Bubba Wallace, I root for them too. But now Alex Bowman and Todd Gilliland, they have a fan in me too. It was just great. I mean, to see people sitting out in the stands. When you walked, when we drove in before we walked to the media center, never saw more campers and tents, portable showers. It was just a great, great time of just everybody. Obviously, I'm only looking at from a top level, but everybody seemed happy. Everybody had a good time, you know, whatever way they could. But for me, for my first time to experience NASCAR and Indy to be that embedded with teams, I mean, it was amazing. I mean, literally to be right there as they were changing tires, not just in a practice, in a race, In a race to see that 10 seconds where it's like. Matt Wilps and Donnie Tass are doing their thing. It was pretty cool. And I'm excited to work with the shout out to Jake, who was a cinematographer with me. I'm channeling my inner Steven Soderbergh. So I was shooting myself, although I have to admit, I'm really worried about seeing my footage because we couldn't see a thing on those screens and I forgot the viewfinders. So I was just trying to go by the focus assist and hope that the stuff was in focus. But I'm like, all right, let's hope it comes out well, because that sun was glaring. Ooh, man. Wow. But it was great. It was great. Now I just got to get Formula One. And I'm like, I did it. I did it. That's why. I remember people who were like, man, you're leaving the Washington Wizards and you you may going to be moving and what are you going to do? How are you going to still be in sports? Are you going to miss it? I've done more creative stories in and out of sports since I've been doing things on my own and working for the University of Pittsburgh. It's been amazing. And this was another wonderful experience, four straight days of 10, 11-hour days, sweating like crazy. It was a lot. But I wouldn't change it for the world. I wouldn't change my first NASCAR and Indy race. It was it was amazing. And I was most happy when I got home late last night and I could hang my credential along with all the other credentials. It was pretty cool. I got a little, t- a little booklet with all of my tickets, too. Um, I'd like to look at those from time to time. From time to time. But if you get a chance to go to an indie race or a NASCAR race or both, and the reason why I got to go to both is because they were both racing at Indianapolis Motor Speedway, and apparently this might be the last year ever. So two years ago during the pandemic, it was out of necessity that they raced together. And now it may never happen again. So maybe I was seeing the very last time that they will race together. And that's kind of cool, too. That's kind of cool. What's a hot topic right now is what's happening in college sports. All of these teams changing conferences, who's going to go where? And all I want to know about is the ACC. That's my conference. That's where the University of Pittsburgh plays. I grew up rooting for Georgetown, as you may have heard me say many times if you were listening to this podcast. But when I went to Pitt, I'm all in on Pitt. And when they were talking about bringing Cal and Stanford because the Pac-12 is now a Pac-4 and what's going to happen here and there, here's the first thing I thought about. If we're changing anyway, the one thing I don't think that would be kind of weird is to be like calling it the ACC, but it has Stanford. And uh, Cal in it. You know, I know there's talk of Washington and Oregon and all of these other schools too. Why don't you just start a conference, call it Pacific Coast Conference? You have a Pacific Coast Conference division. You have an Atlantic Coast Conference division. They play each other, right? So there isn't really that crossover and travel. And then maybe one team a year has to go back and forth, right? You get that home and home thing or maybe they meet in the middle somewhere at like I don't know because I just left there Indianapolis or something and they play like a round robin tournament or they play two football games and then they go back on their conferences and then they meet up for the conference championships which can rotate like the ACC let me tell you something before when I I don't want to say I hated the ACC, but it was always like, man, do they just have this tournament in Greensboro, North Carolina? It seemed like every year the ACC tournament for basketball was in Greensboro, North Carolina. And so for football, okay, just rotate it. Each school gets to host the championship. And there you go. I mean, I know it's not that simple, but it seems that simple for me. What's happening to college sports is it's very much dismantling and becoming like, a, at least of the big schools. It's like a, a four-conference division, if you will. Because I didn't want to say four-conference conference. Four-conference four conference league, maybe, something. There needs to be a reshaping. I do feel like there's money out there for everyone. So I don't quite know how we get to this point where it's like, oh, no. We can't have. Multiple conferences. Or, oh, no, these schools are merging. Let's just merge as much as we can. Maybe even have some. Relegation, if you will. Maybe there's like the top 60 schools. And then below that are the next level of 60 schools. And that level that the, the, the worst three go down, like, like in English Premier League and Europa League and whatever else. And maybe that's too complicated. But the end for the, in the end for the ACC, as much as I don't like the dismantling. And I remember when I was at Pitt and what? It was... Uh, Who was leaving? Virginia Tech and Miami were going to the ACC from the Big East, I think. Man, then we left for the ACC. Everybody's moving on. And the landscape is changing. And it's not new. It's been changing for some time now. And I just hope that the ACC can stay relevant and stay afloat. And I think one of the ways to do that is to start the Pacific Coast Conference. Start the PCC and the ACC as two different divisions in one conference. I don't know, call it USCC, United States Coastal Conference. Then had a division, something like that. I'm sure they're thinking of some way creatively to make it happen. They have to be, right? They have to be. As I look at what had to be a yes for Major League Soccer, was to bring Messi on board. It was the best de- decision for the league. I understand why they wanted to do it. But it's different than when when David Beckham came. Maybe you could say partially because David Beckham wasn't in his prime, if you will. But Messi's just coming off of a World Cup, he still had a lot of gas in the tank. And unfortunately, what I think has happened and what I am observing is MLS might have been ready to accept Messi for the visibility of the league, the popularity of the league around the world. Everybody can watch MLS now that it has the Apple TV deal, which was smart by MLS. But Messi's too good for MLS. For the majority of the players playing in MLS, they are not at the level that they should be on the same field as Lionel Messi. They just shouldn't. And if you don't believe it, just think about how the fact that he scored multiple goals in street three straight games going into this weekend. Eight goals in five games. He's tied for the league lead in goals scored in five games. The player he was tied with, Joseph, it took him 24 games to get eight goals. If you don't think Messi is playing in a lesser league, I mean, come on. Who are we kidding here? Nobody. Nobody. Nobody, I would not be surprised if Messi somehow is able to get Miami to the playoffs. I just wouldn't be surprised. He is just that good. And. <sighs> realistically, it's like, man, I, it's just not fair. I just feel bad to be like MLS is just that bad. That's like not fair to say. But. But. The only thing that can slow down Messi is what happened over the weekend, and that's an injury. He tweaked his right ankle, and he's probably fine. But that might be the only thing that can slow him down. Eight goals in five cup matches. I don't know if Philadelphia, or next opponent, or anybody can slow Messi down. There might be a chance for them still to be able to get into the Champions Cup or the league. I mean, I'm kind of confused by all these different cups, but. But if there's a chance for them to get in to the playoffs. I mean, Messi's going to win the MLS Cup. And then what are we going to say? What are we going to say after that? I mean, I mean, will he even still play? Maybe he won't. Why would you play again? If you feel like the competition is just not there yet. And we know it's not. Messi's not going to make the competition It will not rise to his level by the time he is retired. But maybe we're looking at five or ten years from now and more players are saying, hey, I'll, I'll go and play in Major League Soccer. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. I know that my son has already asked a million times to go to an Inter-Miami game. And as he plays soccer, I'm like, I don't know what kind of soccer player he will be. But who knows if Messi is changing he already wants a jersey. Who knows if 10 years from now, we'll find I'll, I'll be sitting in the stands as some cameras or me talking about my son playing in USA soccer or MLS or something. Who knows? But I know that even when I look at my son, Messi has changed what more and more young players in America are thinking of The beautiful game. So if nothing else, we know he is doing that for Major League Soccer. Raising the profile of the league. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. You know what else there isn't anything wrong with? Is a team saying, you know what? We're just not going to trade you. We can't trade you. We want you to stay on our team. There's nothing wrong with that. But once again, James Harden isn't happy with his team. Now he's calling Daryl Morey a liar, uh, according to ESPN News Services. But that's because Daryl Morey said that, hey, we're we're not going to do any trade talks. Daryl James Harden said during an Adidas media event, as I'm reading, as I was reading from the ESPN report, Daryl Morey is a liar and I will never be a part of an organization that he's part of. Let me say it it again. He said it again. 76ers want to bring him back to training camp because they want him to be a part of the team. But James Harden thinks he's still the James Harden of 10 years ago in, well, maybe more like five. And he's not. And it's showing in the fact that not that I believe that Daryl Morey was trying to trade him, but he wanted something back for him. He can't get that James Harden deal anymore. And James Harden just wants to be out, but no team wants to pay him that kind of money. I don't see it. If the Clippers were the one taker, bottom line is they could not agree on a deal. James Harden's on what? His fourth team in five years? After a while, you got to look yourself in the mirror a little bit. What am I not doing? And he seems to not be able to do that. And the Sixers seem to not be able to get a good trade for him. And so now he's calling them a liar. And my thing is, a deal's a deal. James Harden agreed to pick up his option, $35.6 million in June. And I know why he picked up that option. Because he wasn't going to get anywhere near this kind of money as a free agent. I know they were like, oh, let's work on a deal. We'll try to get you traded. They were hoping he was going to stay. They were obligated to pay it and didn't want to make him mad by saying, hey, we're just don't take the deal. Harden wanted a long-term extension, and he couldn't get it. Rightfully so, he should not get it. Not the kind of money that I'm sure he was asking. Not because I want to take any bread out of his bank account. Because he's just simply not worth it. I believe that his years have passed him. Now, 15 million, 20 million a season. Yeah, but not at 35 and 40 million a season. No. I mean, you couldn't even get them to show up in the playoffs, really. And that being said, I don't think Philly is still a contender in my mind. I don't think they're good at all. I don't think they have a chance to contend for a championship. They're just pretenders. Joel Embiid is a pretender. But I'm saying that and also recognizing that Nikola Jokic is, to me, the best player in the league. But watch out with Phoenix. That's going to be crazy. But I just think realistically, this is the only place for James Harden. They had to sign him and they're stuck with him and nobody's going to give him that money. Nobody's going to give up what the 76ers want, and this is a business. We'll see what happens. James Harden says he's a liar, and so be it. Who knows what's really going on behind closed doors, and I'm sure we'll hear about it on a podcast at some point. One of the former NBA players, or current NBA players, maybe his playoff P, that'll have James Harden on and be like, hey... My team tried to trade for you and they couldn't get you. What happened? And James Harden will say his thing. Paul George will say his thing. Maybe that's what happens. What isn't going to happen this year, I don't think, is a trade that works out for all parties. Somebody's going to have to end up sacrificing and not getting what they want. And it very well may be the Sixers. Because James Harden, as he has shown in other places, he knows how to make life difficult for you. And I wouldn't put it past him to make life very difficult for Philly this year. And that's not a good look for a team that believes that they are playoff contenders, NBA championship contenders, whether they really are or not. It's not a good look. What is a good look? Is I want to give a shout-out to Mark Spears. Mark Spears went into the Basketball Hall of Fame along with some others, some other former players. But I remember when I first got on the scene in the NBA and covering the league, I never did it from an outlet's perspective, a media outlet's perspective. I always worked for the team. And so I didn't know what that was like, but I would work alongside a lot of the journalists. And Mark Spears was one of my favorites. Always nice to talk to. Always helpful. Always had the plugs with the players, but just a genuinely nice guy. Very talented. You'd see him on... uh, ESPN's NBA countdown And some other outfits But I always just liked him And I was happy to see him get into the Hall of Fame And congratulations To Mark Spears Congratulations My Orioles What is happening to my Orioles? Now, first, I was mad because when I do watch a game, of course, you want to see him win. Why would I have to watch the game where the Houston Astros hit a grand slam in the top of the ninth and the Orioles can't come back and win it? I was not happy. If you know me, you know that there is one team that I want to see them beat. And that's the Houston Astros. That being said. The Orioles look good. They are ahead of schedule. They have the best record in the American League. Which is very surprising. In a tough AL East where no team is below 500 still. To this day to this day the AL lease all five teams are above 500 Orioles, Rays, Blue Jays, Red Sox and Yankees but the weird thing of what's happening right now is a lot of the good teams since the all-star break are heading in the wrong direction and the Orioles are not one of them 7 and 3 in their last 10 Rangers and Mariners are 8-2 in their last 10 in the American League. In the National League, you've got the Dodgers at 9-1, the Brewers at 7-3, but you got a lot of teams in that 6-4, 5-5, including the Braves. So teams are struggling a little bit. I just couldn't imagine the Orioles maybe having the not just, oh, yeah, we made the playoffs, but the best record in Major League Baseball. They're two games behind the Braves for that record. I'm overjoyed with the Orioles. I just am worried that they're peaking too early. Now, they did come back and beat the Astros the next night to avoid a sweep. But that's the one thing that scares me. Is can they keep this momentum into the playoffs? It may be beyond. Maybe we're talking World Series. But I'm a chill on that kind of conversation, though. I don't want to go too far into it. I'm just going to enjoy it. I'm just going to enjoy it. And I will remind anyone who questions my loyalty. I still love the Nats. 53 and 66, 7-3 and three in their last 10. If they end up with a better record than the Mets, and you look at who the Mets have on their team compared to who the Orioles have on their team, or excuse me, the Nationals have on their team, Man, that's bad for the Mets. That's bad for the Mets. But I'm happy for the Nats. Not because I want to see them where they are. But they can look right up 90, up 95, I-95, and see what the Orioles are doing. And for any of us that are Nats fans too, right? I started out as an Orioles fan because there was no baseball in D.C. So I will always root for the Orioles and the Nationals but there is an opportunity to see that hey maybe we can turn it around with the young players that we have recruited and traded for and drafted etc cetera, etc cetera. and that's the hope that is the real hope that's the real hope The hope that I have is that I'm going to get into this NFL season. I hope so. Right now, it's just preseason. I'm trying not to get too excited. About the commanders, love the new ownership. They won over the Browns 17 15 Friday night. Steelers beat the Buccaneers 27 17. So, my wife is happy, but we're just not quite there yet. I didn't, did y'all know that the Ravens? Shout out to Jake again, told me the Ravens have won, they're like. 30 and 1 and 0 in their in the last 10 years in their preseason games something like that they never lose preseason games what the heck there's no preseason championship but i still thought that was neat but i was like i'm not gonna go back and do my own research to confirm it i just didn't feel like it not right now maybe i'll do it later But I'm slowly getting excited about football again. It's just going to take some time. It may take a lot of time for me to really get back into it. It's like I'm looking at it with like one eye open. Like, okay, it was the first preseason. I'm excited about the draft. I'm bummed because one league that I'm in... They're going to do a little uh, auction draft in person. And I love in person. I haven't done an in-person draft in a long time. And it's a lot of fun to get together with your friends and do a draft like that. But unfortunately, I won't be in town for that. So I can't do it. I'm really bummed. Maybe I could do it via Zoom. At least I could kind of be there. Yeah, you know what? I'm going to ask if I can do it via Zoom. But also did an EPL draft. My dad and brothers wanted to do it. And like, it's really confusing. So I was excited about doing a draft. But then Harry Kane is no longer in English Premier League. And I had drafted him amid the rumors that he was going to leave. And I was like, well, he's the best available. If I don't take him, he's like the best player that was available. Duh, I couldn't think of anything else. But it was just like. No, it's not the same. I need the American football draft. I need the American football fantasy league. And so I'm I'll get more excited probably when I do that. As you will too. As you will too. Next next week I'll do my US Open Podcasts and tennis as the US Open comes back. But I'm not as excited about that either because now that Novak Djokovic lost in Wimbledon, there's no history to be made of winning a Grand Slam. Not that I was really rooting for him, but like, there's just, it's not possible anymore. No chance. No chance of that happening. No chance. I got one last funny story to talk about. It involves my mom. Not necessarily sports. But she calls me one day on the phone. I just wanted to share this. And she says, I've discovered the most amazing thing. And in my mind, I was like, what could she possibly have discovered? Oh, I should say shout out to my son for winning his soccer camp championship. My mom says she's discovered YouTube. She just discovered YouTube. And she is just amazed. She did not know that YouTube existed. And that she could now see it on her television. And so then she starts to... And I love my mom. This was the funniest and best story. In a long time. And she says to me. I am so happy that I discovered YouTube. It's amazing. I can search for all kinds of things. Like, what are you talking about? She's just excited that all of the things that she can search for and that you search for one and it shows you more videos and you can type in anything in the world and it'll show you all of these videos about these people or things or places or whatever it is she is searching. And it was the best thing. That I could have ever expected. From my mom. I was just overjoyed. I just couldn't believe it. I really just couldn't believe. That that's where we are. But that is where we are. That in 2023. My mom is just discovering YouTube. Maybe you're just discovering this pod. And now you go back and listen to all the other pods. My rants, my raves, my guest interviews, or maybe a future one. But I'm in this one right now. That'll do it for Justice 4. I'm Jamoke. Ciao for now.